really believe the last couple of Sundays, the Holy Spirit has been doing some amazing things at our church services. Uh, and in light of that, I wanted to take tonight just to kind of process a couple of things that really uh, touched me and really moved me in the last two Sundays, uh, how I think God just really uh, revealed some things about where we're going and what our destiny is as a community and as a church that's growing and, and becoming a stronger and more effective light for the world around us. So um, would you guys be open if we did a little prayer processing for the first few minutes of tonight? Would that be okay? I mean, if you object to that, you just got real issues. That's really hard. But anyway, uh, so if you know, remember uh, the very last uh, lesson from the series Love Does, uh, Kevin did the, uh, the, the, the finale theme, which was love takes over. Remember? And there was that one moment in service that I, I don't know if Kevin had that thought ahead of time, but it was just remarkable when he asked that question of, when was a moment in your life when love took over and someone had this profound impact on your life and helped you become a Christ follower? And you remember that kind of chain of people that spoke? I mean, it was just all over the hall, and people were like thanking somebody that studied the Bible with them 20 years ago or somebody that studied with them last week. And it was just so incredible to see, right, how our mission works and how it works when we allow love to take over. So I want to do a little prayer process right now. So if you don't mind, let's close our eyes. And let's start with just taking a few deep breaths. And just try to notice right now just the warmth of your body. This temple that God has given you. And as you take in every deep breath, just accept each breath as a gift from your Heavenly Father to your temple as it gives nourishment and energy throughout your body. And in this relaxed state, I just want to guide our thoughts for just a moment. And I want you to recall the person or the people that studied the Bible with you or maybe the people that are studying the Bible with you right now. Or if you're visiting with us tonight, just visualize the people that invited you here. And as you picture that person or that people, or those people, I want you to just identify two or three words or two or three qualities of Jesus that were in that moment with that person or that group of people as they reached out to you. Try to remember the moments where you had those conversations where there was a breakthrough, when something in scripture really, for the first time, made sense or came alive as you were connected to these people serving you. And just take a moment to thank God for every single person that came to your mind just now thanking him for that moment, those conversations, those listening ears. Dear God in heaven, you know, we've read the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And for many years, those were words on a piece of paper. And yet what we just recalled was how those precious verses, those, that precious commandment that, God, that Jesus gave us uh, came to reality. As we opened up our hearts, we opened up your word with people that 
gave their time and their energy and their love to listen to us, to talk to us, uh, to open up with us. And God, we are so grateful for that beautiful process that Jesus gave to us so that we could experience and then pass on to others. Thank you so much that uh, we have the honor of carrying that on. God, give us courage. Give us vision for how we can be used to love others in that same way that we were loved. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for bringing us into this community, into this family, but most importantly in this relationship with you, your Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. So if you don't mind, I want to ask just a few people to share who just came to mind and what were those qualities that stuck out when those people were studying the Bible with you? Okay. There's a hand in the back. I can't see who it is. I got it here. Is that April? Stephanie Algarim. Oh, Stephanie. Hi. So um, the people that come to mind are Les Guido, Michelle Sommerfeld, um, Shonda Wolf, uh, Denise Todman, Trey, um, Anna Gloria, uh, Bernadette, and Monet Walker. And if I left anybody out, I'm really sorry. Wow. <laughs> but um, the three words that come to mind are um, love, conviction, and integrity. Wow. You had a nice uh, team there. I did. That was amazing. <laughs> wow, I was jealous there for a minute. I want that team loving me at one point. That's great. Jarrell, right up here, Kevin. Sorry. Where? In front of the column. Okay, you go. Oh, there we go. Jarrell. All right. Uh, Edward Akameza and Billy Kangas. The words that come to mind are patient, strong, and manly. I thought they were the coolest people I've ever seen. I wanted to be just like you guys. Thanks for studying with me. And they still are. And they still are. And they still are. Amen. Awesome. Love you guys. That's great. Can we get some mics in the front? Or is anybody back here? <clears throat> so, um, Barry and Lynn Beatty. And uh, uh, Tom and Janet Marks. Janet Marks, basically. Uh, San Galang. Um, it, it, Cheryl Kaufman, uh, she was in the South Central here for a while, but the things that stand out in my mind are speaking the truth, not being afraid to speak the truth, and just being there when I really needed them. I was in a really bad situation, bad relationship, living with somebody in the Bay Area, and after they read Galatians 5, 19 through 21. And like, that's what I had to really come to realize. They weren't afraid to just lay it out. And I, when I wanted, needed to make a you know, serious decision, they were the first people that I called. They came and picked me up at like one in the morning, moved me out of that apartment in this like really wild area. So it was just, I'll never forget that. So. That but is yeah, they really uh, laid down their life and just loved me through a really tough time. That is beautiful. Wow, thank you. Okay, right here. Here's your wife. John, don't mess up, man. It's your wife. Don't mess up, man. You got to pick your wife, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I too was in the Bay Area back in the 80s with Lori, 
And um, many of you know Robin Horton. She was yes. Robin Anthony back in the day. I was 18, I was a freshman in college. And also Son Glang. Um, Son was my roommate in college the second semester after I went wow. to church, yes. <laughs> um, but the things that stood out to me was love and believed in. And, um, and because I was in college, I would go back home for the break. And once, I think it was a summer, it was summer, I'd go home for summer or Christmas. And Satan was really after me, and he was, he was like, stay here, and this guy wants you, wants to marry you, and all this kind of stuff. But the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, Robin would be crushed if I didn't come back to California. And I know it was her love for me, even though it wasn't God, <laughs> it was her love for me that brought me back to California to continue wow. to be a disciple when Satan was really trying to pull me to stay back east and not come back to California. So it was her love. That is amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Wow. Cece and I were in a Bible talk with Robin Horton for 12 years back in the West Side. So and ne I never knew that connection. That is amazing. Okay. Over here, uh, Alex Wilkerson. Bam. Uh, the, some of the guys who studied with me were um, Ricardo and Curtis, my man Feige. Feige. And, uh, and Sheldon, right? Diggity? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Alex. <laughs> and um, some of the words that come to mind were accepting and caring and just really safe. Like I felt like these are people who care about me and they're not, they don't have some kind of agenda. Yeah. and genuine, like they believe what they're saying. Amen, very true about all those men. Excellent. Uh, Alex, could you pass forward to Jay there in front of you? So uh, it was uh, Brad Lomax and Jay Minor. Is Jay here today? He's not here tonight. So Jay Minor, and the words come uh, sincere, patient, and persistent, because it took me a long time to uh, figure it all out, right. and they stuck with me for a long, long time, longer yeah. than I would have. And then for uh, Kevin, Christian, and uh, my wife, and then Curtis afterwards, they kind of, they chopped the bottom of the tree, and those other guys tilted me over. So. <laughs> okay. That's all. Jay, can you go in front of you, Jen? Let's see. So it's 30 years ago. I was 18. And... Uh, it was Lena Song, now Lena Chow, study the Bible with me, wow. and Yoshe, and uh, Barry Lusk, uh, she counted the cost with me. And the three words that come, it was Lena primarily. One of the things that I remember about her is she was courageous, because my dad is a pastor, so I was a pastor's kid, and she had been an atheist just the year before. She had, she had just studied the Bible herself a year before. And here she was sitting with me, and I was so mean, but she kept, the thing that really kind of stuck out to me was that even though I knew, I was, you know, I've read the Bible ever since I could read. And then um, here she was, she was living it. Yeah. And she had the courage to live it, and I didn't. And so courage, and then, of course, patience, because I was a terrible 18-year-old, lacked character and then the last thing of course is just love like they had the love enough to 
um, just to tell me the truth. I remember Galatians 5.19, right? If you live like this, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, because right. you think that you're right with God. And yeah. then, but you're still doing the things on that list. And then one of the last, I, mean, I remember the cafe where we're, I mean, I did the studies like literally three times, like three different studies they did with me because I was, I had so much pride. And the last one they did was just on pride. And that finally, I was like, I finally saw it and I was broken. So love, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, just so Jenny doesn't feel bad, just raise your hand if you lacked character at 18. <laughs> okay, Jen. You're all good. You're all good. Okay. All right, let's do a couple of more. Uh, Nick? Well, uh, believe it or not, it's going to be, um, it's already 10 years since I was uh, invited to the church. Wow. Uh, some of you remember Miguel Rincon, and uh, he's unfortunately not in the church for a moment. I'm still trying to get him back. Uh, okay. and, and Desiree, I forgot her last name, Statham. So they uh, they went on a, they uh, they had a date and they asked uh, they asked us if we could go with them my wife and I and we went on a hike in Santa Monica, so we did a long hike and then when we got to the top of the mountain, uh, he asked can we pray and I said sure you know I was open so we prayed they invited us to church I said yes and then uh, when it was time to go to church. I was tired from the hike and I was sleeping and my wife said, are we going to go to church? And I said, no, I'm tired. And she said, but you promise. And I said, you're right. <laughs> so we, we came to the church and the first thing that we saw was the, the love and the welcome. You know, um, Kimberly, um, I forget last names, Dabrowski. And then uh, out of nowhere, uh, Chris and Irma Torres invited us to their home for lunch the same day, and we ended up staying there until like 11 o'clock. And it was just an amazing connection. Of course, um, Christian and Deb Flores and uh, Jody and um, I forget the other names, but um, the, the words that come to mind is uh, patience, kindness, and also uh, firmness, you know, they, they were firm. Like, mm. I thought I was doing the right thing, but I wasn't. So uh, a Christian said, you have to do more. You have to step up. You have to go out of your comfort zone and do more for your wife. So I did, and thanks to that, we're still together. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Okay, John, uh, who's next? Oh, there we go. Oh, it's Dale? Yes. Oh, Dale. Come yeah, on, I wanted brother. to... Uh, I just wanted to, to show love to Jamal and Bernadette Speaks. Yeah. <clears throat> 16 years ago, um, you know, just rough around the edges. Yeah, still am, but. Um, you're but, smoother though, bro. But you're rough around smoother. the edges, but in Christ, <laughs> in Christ. Oh, um, but um, <clears throat> I just never forget, you know, just uh, he asked me to play in a celebrity basketball game. I was, I was uh, in college uh, pursuing directing. And um, <clears throat> he, you know, he reached out to me and, and said, yo, man, I, I heard you, I met you in a barbershop, you know, whatever, whatever, come out and play. Unbeknownst to me, uh, Derek's, Sean Brady, I mean, Sean, uh, Sean Holland, yeah. a bunch of disciples was on the team. 
We won, of course, and then after, after once it was over, <clears throat> Jamal, you know, just really smooth, and he was just like, yo. So at that time, I was uh, living with my girlfriend, <clears throat> which is now my wife, and uh, my daughter, London, was like less than a year old, and I thought I was doing the right thing by being a man and, 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 and uh, taking care of my responsibility, right. but I was not married, and uh, Jamal just said, hey, man, at the, uh, what, you, what you doing tomorrow? after the game. And I look over at my girlfriend and I'm thinking he's gonna invite me out to the club. I'm saying, what are you doing tomorrow? What's going on? And then he was just like, why don't you come to my church? I was like, wow. wow. Based, based on my enthusiasm, I already showed him that I was available. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so, I uh, so I came and uh, and I was just blown away by John Thomas and Derricks and I mean these men greeted me with love 16 years later still greet me the same way <clears throat> they greeted me when they didn't even know me yeah and um, you know I was challenged to no sexual morality and all those great things inside of the Bible right and they said look brother you don't have to continue to study and um, a matter of fact when you move out if you choose to move out and follow God's word this is two weeks, three weeks into studying. You can move in with us. And I, and I slept in little Jamal's room before Jamal was born. Wow. And, that's, and growing up without a father, I was able to see Jamal pray with Bernadette, staying, you know, staying in his word when times got tough, and just setting an example for me that I've never seen. Wow. So through God's love, through him, has allowed me to be a great father to my daughter, London, and a great husband to Gia Lewis. Awesome. So thank you to thank Jamal you, and Thank you. Wow. Okay, so uh, one thing I want to add to your uh, small group tonight, please share your story. Please share your story in your small group. And, and the thing is, guys, what I love about our series now, just like you, is that I think what we're talking about now is just like the stories we just heard. God is forming stories as we speak that every single one of us can be a part of. And those people are not in this room right now, but God is working on those stories. Just like you heard all the different stories here from 30 years ago and all these different circumstances where people are at when they came to church, and yet God completely transformed them through the people that were in this room. So... Um, Let's give God a hand for those stories. Thank you guys for sharing. So uh, one last thing. I want to process one more thing from this last Sunday. One, I'm very convicted that God does so many things through basketball. That's just wild. I don't get it. I feel like I'm, I'm inept. I can't do it. But anyway, uh, so I want to share a few thoughts that kind of add to what we were talking about on Sunday. And first, I want to share this thing. I, I talked about this with some of the brothers last week, but I came across these definitions recently that have so helped me and I think really have helped me understand the mission that we are on. So if we understood that home is the place where we hear the voice that calls us beloved, and whose voice is that? It's our Father. It's God's voice that calls every single one of us beloved. And when are we the beloved to God? Always. Before you became a Christian, you were beloved. You simply didn't realize it yet. Every single person that you see during your day, 
people that you work with, people that you go to school with, people that you like, people you can't get along with, every single one of those people is beloved. But they don't know it yet. And this is the vision that we need to have as we go throughout our day. Every single person is beloved. Not a single person is an accident. But guess what happens? Leaving home is a denial of the spiritual reality that I belong to God with every part of my being. Now, some of us left home in that sense very, very early. You know, I was a very young kid, and I forgot this whole idea about, you know, what, who's God, and why is that important? And then I believed in God, then I left home again. I mean, I, I could leave home multiple times in the same day in terms of walking away from that spiritual reality that, David, you are beloved, and every part of you belongs to God. Every part of your thought life, every part of your physical life, every part of your relationships, all of that belongs to God, and I can leave home in a moment. We can be sitting in this room and leave home and walk away from that voice that says, you are beloved. So we have to really get in touch with this whole idea that spiritual reality must always be important, more important than our own reality. And what makes up our own reality? Our thoughts, our feelings, our moods, our impulses, you know, th how we react to things, all of that makes up our reality. But God's spiritual reality is always more important. And that applies to the people that we observe in life too. People have their realities, but what we know and that what they may not know yet is that the spiritual reality to that person that I see throughout my day, everything belongs to God. And God loves them. That's the spirituality that we need to walk in every single day as we walk about life. Look at this. We looked at this on Sunday. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, we remember what Nathanael did two verses earlier, right? He basically trashed Jesus. He's like, he's from Nazareth. He's a loser. There's nothing good coming out of Nazareth. And yet, what was Jesus' response to a man that just trashed him? He treated him with kindness. He, he found good in him. You guys remember uh, Romans 2.4? It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. I think this is what Jesus was doing right here. He was leaking God's character right there. Look, I know you just said something, but guess what? I'm still going to see what is good about you? This is one strategy that I've been playing with a lot in sharing my faith lately. I try to share my faith by finding something good in the person that I'm trying to invite. Whether it's how they did their job or how they did something with their kid, I try to introduce the whole conversation with a compliment or a statement about something I admire about that person. Do you know how much easier it is to invite people to church when you admire them before you invite them? It's really easy. And guess what? They love it. People really love to be admired. They want to be admired. So if we can open our mouths and do that, I'm telling you, God will work. 
So what does Nathaniel say? He's, he's kind of blown away here, and he's like, wait a minute, how do you know me? And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. I want to pay attention to those three words. I saw you. Now here's a question. Do you always enjoy being seen? Have you ever done something wrong and then got caught? Do you know what that experience is like? You, you learn this. Being seen is painful. So I'm going to confess a little story real quick, and it doesn't go outside this room. But in third grade, I was not the perfectly behaved kid. And uh, my teacher in third grade wrote a comment on my report card that said, David is disruptive in class. So I was in third grade, and my teacher saw me. She saw David as this disruptive, talking, interrupting kid, right? And so I got that report card, and I went home, and I read it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm dead. If my parents see that, there will be pain, right? So I got out some paper. I found a piece of paper that my dad had signed, and I practiced about 50 times just over and over and over again with my amazing third grade penmanship skills, okay? And so I forged my dad's signature on the, on the thing, and I thought, well, his signature's not going to be enough because there's a little space for comments. So I wrote, we will talk to David about this, period. Signed, Clarence Bruce, okay? So, you know, I'm, I'm all proud of myself, man. I'm like, man, I'm not going to be seen. There's going to be no pain here. I'm just going to go through third grade. I'm not going to talk as much. I did improve my behavior. But anyway, so, of course, my mother, like every week, David, where, where's your report card? Where, where, where's your report card? Man, we, I remember going to my grandmother's house. She's talking to my aunt. Hey, listen, uh, has your kid gotten their report card yet? And she's like, oh, yeah, we got them like weeks ago. I'm like, man, stop asking about the report card. So here I am, like two months go by, and I think I'm, I'm a, I've gotten away with murder. And my mom has to pick me up at school to take me to the dentist. I mean, come on, that's, that's no big deal, right? Going to the dentist. So she agrees to pick me up at like 2.30. I had to get out early, so I walk out of the school. I showed Cece this school when we were in Oklahoma about, about two weeks ago. I showed her the exact place where this whole thing happened. So at 2.30, I'm walking out of the school, and my mom's not in the car. She's walking toward me into the school. And I'm like, well, why is she walking inside the school? We need to go to the dentist. And she says, well, David, no, no, I just want to go to the office real quick and ask about the report cards. And I lose it. I just start bawling like, I lied, I lied, I lied. I wrote Dan's signature and I'm so sorry. I mean, I just start bawling like a baby. And so my mom goes in and they get, you know, they found out about the report card. She got it. And they're like, oh my God, I had a big lecture that night. I don't, I don't even think they spanked me. That's what's really weird, but whatever. But the point is, I didn't want to be seen. Because being seen, for me, meant there's going to be pain. Now, a few years later, there was a different story. In sixth grade, I started playing trombone. And for some strange reason, God gave me the ability to play trombone. And I was really good. And by being good, I mean I was in first chair all the time. All the time. 
And so what happened over time is all the other guys in the trombone section got really ticked off at me, and they would just start, you know, bullying me and ridiculing me. So every day going to band practice was just torment because I would always get teased for being seen as this good trombone player. And so what I started figuring out at a very young age is being seen, whether it's seeing something bad about me or seeing a mistake in me, or even if it's something good about me, it ends up being painful. So I don't want to be seen. And that was the beginning. That was how sinful nature started really developing and budding in my life. If I could live in a way where I'm not seen, I won't get hurt. Can we relate to this? Here's the other truth. Shame steals our desire to be seen. Shame steals our desire to be seen. This is how Satan wins. You are not lovable. You are not worth it. Do not be seen by anybody. Don't tell anybody this. Don't tell anybody those secrets. Remain unseen. Remain unknown. And you'll be safe. And it's a lie. The truth is we all want to be seen. And when we, sh we heard all the people sharing tonight, if you noticed during that whole Bible study process, what was happening? For some of us, it was the first time I was being seen and it was actually good. I was being seen and I was being loved at the same time. Those people were loving you, looking at you the same way that Jesus looks at us. Remember what Jesus told him. I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And what was the impact of being seen by Jesus? Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. I think what we are being called to do is we need to become the eyes of Jesus for this world. We need to look at people the way that Jesus looked at Nathaniel. Jesus didn't see a guy that just had a bad attitude about things from Nazareth. Jesus saw what was beloved about Nathaniel. And when Nathaniel realized, wow, I can be seen and I can be loved, I'm all in. I will sign up for that. That is what we offer the people that we see throughout our days. That, that one person that we've decided to love before Easter, this is what it's all about. I want to see you. I want to know you. And I want to love you. So here was the question that Jay gave us on Sunday. And in our group tonight, I want us to take it a little bit deeper. Do you believe that God can change the world with someone just like you? And I hope the answer for all of us is yes, but I want you to add one other detail to this question. How? Talk about that tonight. How is God going to change the world through someone just like you? How will that look this week?
you know, maybe it's going to be a, a kind word to someone that you work with, right? Maybe it's just, you know, starting up a conversation with someone that you don't know. I don't know what that step's going to be, but we need to believe that God works through us because we are in him. We are in Christ Jesus. We are the solution for this world that is unseen, unknown, trapped. And they need us to come in and help them be free. And then finally, what hinders your belief that God can change the world with someone just like you? Identify whatever that thing is that's holding you back and talk about that tonight. Because you may need to be seen by some people in your small group so that you can see and be reminded of the qualities of you that are beloved, that are wonderful, that are amazing. Sometimes my, my head is the last one to produce the truth about David Bruce. You hear that? My head will be the last one to find and really articulate what is true about me. That is why I have men in my life. I loved what Kelly shared on Sunday. Kelly described this whole beloved thing. He talked about because of things that happened when I grew up, I lost that voice. I didn't hear that voice that called me beloved. And Kelly had to adjust, and he had to live in a very specific way without hearing that voice beloved. And I love that whole storyline that he laid out on Sunday. People saw Kelly in a way that Kelly couldn't see Kelly. Men around him saw someone that Kelly couldn't see. And that's why they study the Bible. That's why he built, developed those relationships. And I love what he said at the end that on Sunday. I couldn't be the man. I, can't, I couldn't see myself becoming a man that could father my child in a godly way. But because of men around me that see me in the way that I'm supposed to be seen, I'm figuring it out. We are all figuring it out because of the fellowship that we have with one another and we can see one another the way that Jesus sees us. Okay? We ready for some good discussions? All right, let me pray for us and then we'll break up into our small, small groups. Thank you guys so much. Dear God, we are so grateful for just, the, I mean, just these subtle moments in the life of Jesus. Just looking at this one exchange, even just a piece of it. And yet, God, it is so rich and it is so equipping and gives us such clarity, God, in how we can be and, and how people around us have been to help us become the people that we are today. Father, I am so grateful for the purpose that you've given us. God, help, help every single one of us walk out tonight confident in our calling, determined in our purpose, God, to love people throughout our day. God, help us to give us creativity, give us boldness, give us kindness, God, which is the only reason we have it is because you gave it to us. Help us to see that kindness you've given us and let it leak over into our conversations throughout the days. God, I want to pray for Easter. I pray that as we prepare for Easter, that, God, we will have an amazing, amazing harvest this year. God, the stories we heard tonight were just a drop in the bucket 
of what is to come. God, help us to see and just believe in the stories that we are going to hear this year of lives being changed. Thank you, God, so much for this fellowship. Thank you for our small groups tonight. Let all the conversations just be seasoned with salt, encouraging, enlightening, and hopeful. And God, we're just so grateful for how generous and loving you are toward us. Let us be filled with that and give that to one another. In your son's name we pray. Amen.